Interpersonal Patterson had a pig named Porky. This pig named Porky loved pie. He loved pizza pie, pumpkin pie, pineapple pie, mince tarts, and Peter Percival Patterson's pig Porky loved pie for breakfast, pie for lunch, pie in the afternoon, and pie before he went to bed. Peter Percival Patterson's pig Porky ate so much pie that do you know what he did? He popped. All right, everybody. All right, everybody. Gather around here. Gather around. Now, you all know that for the first 10 years of my farming, I saved up enough money for my boy to go to school. And he has done, educated up, and got him a degree. And he's coming back today. Any minute he's gonna walk in that door, and we're gonna celebrate him getting all learned. So y'all just uh, help me right now to just say a prayer that he'll get here okay, because he's pretty smart by now. There, there's the door. Here, here he comes. Son, come over here. Let me give you a kiss on the cheek. Oh, Daddy, you're embarrassing me. Now, I want you to tell us here, boy, something real good that you learned up in that school. Well, Daddy, uh, what I learned was some formulas that are going to help us here around the farm, I'm pretty sure. You know, Daddy, when we, when we make them post holes in the ground and we want to make sure they're just the right circumference so I learned a formula daddy in my math studies they're gonna help us really good up here well boy tell me what did you learn it's a formula where you take pi r squared that's the circumference of pi and then it's a radius squared daddy boy you mean to tell me you gone up there and got educated and that's all you come back here? You fool, don't you know that pies are round? Daddy, have you ever seen a cobbler? Of course, we're not going to be talking about making a pie during this broadcast. Not so for you. Come back. One year. <laughs> but I have been thinking a lot about the unending earth and uh, how it could be much more than a cobbler. Certainly much more than cobbler's knob ever could be. That's for sure. A beautiful spring it shall be. As Mr. Thomas Dolby plays our backtrack for this podcast, episode number 14, The Universe, his tune entitled The Flat Earth. Yeah, it could be any shape you want it to be. A little chubbier. A little chubbier. Yeah. Chubby's a good way. It's like pear shape. It's oblate. It's oblate. You know, potato shape. It's called the potato radius. A flattish disc surrounded by a solid dome barrier. It's hollow earth. We've got a fantastic globe. You know what my father used to say? He used to say to me, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. That is not my dog. I think some people might think that, but there's absolutely fact, truth, um, empirical evidence because sometimes the evidence as empirical as it is if it's never allowed to be seen the light of day what's the point of having it yeah 
So this podcast is going to be exploring the fact that the earth never ends. We just came through three Fear Factor series explaining how we never die. There's no devil, there's no nukes. So now let's explore what do we really have. And I think it will amaze and enlighten you. When you think about the fact that the earth never ends. Now exactly art, what the hell are you talking about? The earth never ends. Well, one thing we have to understand first about economics class is this law of supply and demand. Scarcity, and by the way, that's could be looked at as two words, scare the city. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. Scare the city into what? That there's a lack. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Scare an ostrich, buries its head in the sand. You scare a hedgehog, it rolls itself up into a ball. When a woman's frightened, she goes out and buys herself a hat. So scarcity can drive up prices if you only have a certain amount of one thing and there's a lot of people that want it well you're going to have to make that very expensive so that um, well you don't run out for one thing and people are satisfied and people who can't afford it just uh, well you know can't afford it so let's look at a globe then a basketball there's so many autographs you can get written on that you know Jordan, Bird, not to be confused with Admiral Bird, but we'll get to that later. So when you've got a basketball, you have limited surface. There's only so much leather and sweat and anything that can fit on it. It is limited. That's the globe model, everyone. If they can get us to think that we're only on a limited resource then they can drive up prices and they can scare all of our cities into thinking that there's a lack. Now, this does not bode well for a creator of all of this anciently in the past, making all of these things. Think about it for just a second. If you were that source creator, maker of all, would you not think ahead enough to not make an earth in the shape of a scarce round sphere that one day is going to be warmed over with this global warming phenomenon driving up the ocean levels to unsafe levels overtaking the coastline and causing the the penguins to go uh which way did our earth go that ain't gonna fly and the polar bears are like, why did you call me polar anyway? Oh, Call them white bears or snow bears. How about that? They're going to be scratching their heads going, hey, um, my neighbor's house was here yesterday, but now it's floating out to sea. What's going on here? You know, I mean, really think about this for a second. Scarcity, a globe. And then, of course, the creators that you put on this globe. Are going to get so smart one day they're going to just nuke it now this discussion of blowing up the world globe has modified and changed almost like the berenstein bears it's sort of morphed over time used to for a fact in the 
in the cultural didactic uh, language and mind think, they said, and I quote, there are enough nuclear bombs to blow up the globe 100 times over, 50 times over. But now, try to Google that phrase, and, and they're going to come down and say, oh, well, you know, maybe not that much. Just make a big dent or a, or a crater. Yeah. Well, whatever the case may be, if you are going to be the source creator of all and you're going to make this scarce, fragile little blue marble amongst billions and billions, it's going to be so susceptible to a black hole engulfing it, a crater uh, being formed from Yosemite after a huge super exploding volcanic activity. Super volcano, oh yeah. yeah. In fact, scientists estimate that another super eruption might not happen for another few million years or so. What was that other one? Oh yeah, hit by a uh, meteor. Oh yeah, that's coming up I think in about 20 years or so. You know, We're gonna get hit by a giant meteor the size of a, a, a small um, state like uh, Delaware. I think I'm getting about Della worn off on all these earth-ending fiasco scenarios because the fact is, folks, the earth never ends. And you've got to wonder, why don't more people think about this? Look at Hollywood, for example. They've not done one single film on the fact that the earth could, of course, in their mind's eye, go on in every direction forever and never end. No, not a single film on that. You are correct. It does not compute. Science fiction, call it what you want. Documentary, should be. But yet we have journeyed to the center of the earth and gone 20,000 leagues under the sea and they've even remade a few of those. And we've got Star Warsy and stuff out the Yahoo, Battlestar Galactica, you know, all this uh, universe. Let me tell you something, folks. Don't be cursed by the universe. Understand all you can about the universe, because that's where the action is. I see SETI. <laughs> Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. They got their uh, antennae angled kind of 45 degree-ish out into the Netherlands. Great blue beyond yonder. To infinity and Beyonce! No, 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 folks. If you want to contact some civilizations, they're not out in the universe. They're right here. Or as Andy Griffith said in uh, the remake of Romeo and Juliet. What for art, thou Romeo? I'm right cheer. It's right cheer. Alien? Not alien. Maybe alien because you don't know who the people are, but they're just like me and you, folks. They're just like me and you. You know, all the wonderful colors, feathers and flavors that uh, creators have. And when I say creators, I want to substitute the word human and humanity with that word creator. I'm not saying that we are the or we are a. I'm saying we are creator and we are on an unending earth. So let's get back to um, this phenomenon that's not been touched in the media. Consider that... Time does not exist, okay? And you can't go back in time, you can't go forward in time, it just is. There's no way to, you know, reverse this. 
hear a lot of Christians say that, oh no, we just had a time machine. We can go back, we can show you Jesus in action. Sorry, it's not going to happen. It's not even possible. Unveil the time portal. Hi out there, Sherman here. I shall set Mr. Peabody's Wayback Machine for Pisa, Italy in the year 1592. Today we shall meet that great physicist and astronomer Galileo. Come on, open up the door. Golly, Mr. Galileo, what seems to be the trouble? Go away, kid. Irrelevant of this space-time continuum, this uh, Einsteinian, um, you know, disaster, really, for people to think in this direction. E equals mc squared. Expanded, E equals mcc. Inverted, ccm equals E. In summary, custom comfort mattress equals excellence. And there's talk of the Philadelphia experiment here. I got a Philadelphia experiment for you. Patch the bell. Uh, so we are stuck here with time. Non-existent. Just, you know, this is it. What's that saying? What, what, you, what you see is what you get. WYSIWYG in the printing industry. Those of you who are printers. What you see is what you get. What you live is what you get. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? So that being said, there's still science fiction uh, movies and television shows, novels about going back in time or freezing time or quantum leap comes to mind. A big one in the 80s. You know, that's about where they set off the first atomic bomb. No kidding. And some people say there's still a top secret project out there. Something to do with the deep space probe or... Uh, you know, of course, uh, H.G. Wells' Time Machine, way back in the day when he wrote that, spawned so many other theories on it. Into one of the nearer ages, in which men are still men, but with the riddles of our own time answered and its wearisome problems solved. The end of the time machine. But if you want to, quote, go back in time, all you simply have to do is get on one of these aircraft that uh, once they get to altitude speed, just use the air and water that's in the atmosphere above, in the sky above, and just drip a little kerosene into the motors and you can go indefinitely. Excuse me, sir. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. You compress air inside a plastic bottle, pop open the top, and see the result. Water vapor. This is what is happening when the jet engines are in cruise mode. They are running purely on compressed air, and the contrails are water vapor being ejected out from the engines. While small amounts of fuel are needed to get the jet engine up to speed, when in cruise mode, the engines use very little to no fuel whatsoever. We are being charged huge amounts for fuel that doesn't exist. It's not needed to fly these amazing machines. All that's needed is the most abundant thing that we've been given. Air. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. It's, it's an, an entirely, entirely different, different kind of flying. Uh, so you're going to be passing by civilizations that are primitive, 
maybe not even an industrial revolution type phase yet. Don't call me Shirley. And then of course you're probably going to encounter some civilizations out there who are way more advanced than we are. And it won't take much for us to catch up as soon as we can get over this 1% lording over the 99 concept. You're invited to drop in where the elite meet to eat. The newspapers talk about the corridors of power, the, the power elite. Let's just say we'd like you to join the club. Oh. We control all the crises. We build them up and we shut them down. We? Again? Yeah, I'm coming to that. Near the top of the hierarchy, there are the economists, top civil servants, top brass in the military, those men who are supposed to view the nuclear tests and so on. And above them, the news channel for America, the cable news network. When unfettered invention and development and scientific progress is actually allowed to scientifically progress, Dr. Schwartz was shot, strangled, and stabbed to death in his own home. The mysterious murder of Teresa Sievers, a high-profile physician who practiced holistic medicine. But the death of Dr. Stephen Schwartz quickly became an investigation into premeditated murder. Dr. B.P. Singh, a cardiologist, was shot dead here in Lucknow, India. This paper predicted the coronavirus outbreak in China one year before it happened. Lee sent a group message saying that a test result from a patient quarantined at the hospital where he worked showed a patient had a coronavirus. But hours after hitting send, Wuhan city health officials tracked Lee down. When you don't have people saying, oh, no, no, we're never going to get off big oil, big petrol, because there's too much money in that, you know? We're going we're gonna to lower the gas on Labor Day and raise it on the next weekend, and we're going to have fun with you people. The battle against climate change is surely the most defining and pivotal challenge of our time. The negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems is becoming appallingly evident. The science is unequivocally true and that that there is a price to carbon in their future. What do you see as the biggest challenges in, in conservation? Uh, the, the growing human population. We have to start spending money, um, you know, fast on the solutions that we have in hand to try and help these countries which are already seeing the effects of climate change. David Rothschild, thank you so much for joining us. I, I just still, it, it's difficult to understand how we as a, um, as a civilization here, for almost a hundred years, maybe longer now, have settled on the combustion engine as a way largely for everyone to move around in it. Automatic shift, you won't have to worry about no clutch. It's 900 horsepower, 427 cubic inches, and it'll have dual everything. It's just mind-boggling. When greater invention concerning electricity and other renewable resources, the military have uh, you know jeeps and, and vehicles that are electric and charge themselves. Uh, you know, when you're on the battlefield, you don't have time to look for a golf station. I used to be a fire truck. What? Daggum right. Uh, definitely don't have time to go plug into an electric tree somewhere and rejuice up. So as the wheels turn, it generates electricity, blah, blah, blah. You see where I'm getting at? Why do you even need to um, have a, a charge? 
So they charge themselves. We're not supposed to know about that, by the way. If it gets out, <laughs> you didn't hear it here. When a problem comes along, you must zip it. Zip it good. It's too high in the wall. Me ta here at all. Subtitle, zip it. Would you like to have the suckle of my zipper? <laughs> Talk about big oil being poured on your head and be, they're probably being boiled in it, right? But the, the problem is that there's too many uh, old guard, old school elitist families that are just stuck in their ways. Um, and either too fearful or just too caught up in the material wealth is probably what it is to take a risk on renewable uh, you know, engine resources, renewable fuels to make things go indefinitely, charge themselves, things like that. So until all that happens and we're able to topple that one or at least incorporate the 1% into the 99 and we all kind of, you know, shuffle the cards again and uh, place them out on the table in a, in a more uh, beneficial way for everyone involved. I'm not talking about communism here. Forget about communism. I'm not talking about socialism. I'm talking about capitalism. We control the situation. There's no danger of world war. Just a simple choice for everybody. Capitalism or communism. Strawberry or vanilla. It all adds up to the same thing. Now we've got rid of the big bangers. Well, how can you be sure that Johnson, Kosygin aren't working on other things. Poison gases, bacteria. Pathetic, man of your intelligence. You don't want to destroy the world, neither do I. What makes you think the presidents are different? Well, they've made some pretty good stabs at it in the past. There wasn't the right sort of control then. Nowadays, we know better. Yes, that is the actor Donald Pleasance. And these excerpts and all the other ones that sound like Mr. Pleasance and the other actor are taken from a series that the BBC put together back in the early to mid 60s 30-minute theater these clips you're hearing during this podcast are coming from season three episode 13 and the episode is entitled the news benders i suggest that you check it out there is a youtuber called the natural who has the entire 27-minute episode available and for now it's available i do see this being removed and scraped from the internet soon it is so revealing so listen on for more of these clips so until all that happens and we're able to topple that one or at least incorporate the one percent into the 99 and we all kind of you know shuffle the cards again and uh place them out on the table in a, in a more uh, beneficial way for everyone involved. I'm not talking about communism here. Forget about communism. I'm not talking about socialism. I'm talking about capitalism. I'm talking about use your freaking brainism. I'm talking about martial resources so we can all benefit. And the monetary-based economy is the big stumbling block in making this all come to fruition because everyone is so freaking just caught up in this gotta have moolah moolah, you know? Why? I think it'd be a great science fiction story. Civilizations out there just like us, beyond what we are perceived or what we are told to perceive as uh, an ice wall. The flat earth crowd comes in now. Oh yeah, the flat earthers. Man, what a hoot. For the first 4,000 years of our civilization, we believed that the earth was a flattish disk surrounded by a solid dome barrier called the firmament. 
All of the five major religions had their own version of this, and the churches enforced the belief. Then, around 1514, a man named Copernicus created a new model of the world. He stated that if the Earth was spinning around 1,100 miles an hour and circling the Sun at 60,000 miles an hour, the world was then round. Is this a joke? Because it's a joke, right? These people, I tell you, it's, it's a sham. You know, largely most of these people are you know, of a Christian faith. You know, there's a problem right there. Because they're starting to read things literally like a firmament, you know, like, and you're going to hit a dome, really. Look, guys, you got a basketball, you got a half a basketball with a pizza under it. What's the difference? It's still scarcity. You're still scaring the cities. You know, Hosanna Integrity wants to take the city. <laughs> You're scaring the cities with the scarcity conundrum stupidity. The earth is not a, a snow globe. You're going to shake it up. You know, forget about that crap, guys. Remember, source creator ain't that stupid. Stupid. Pi aren't squared. The earth is not squared or ran. The earth goes on forever in every direction. You can call it flat, bumpy, uh, molehill, land hill. What in the Sam Hill is going on, Hill? It never ends. And why should it? Why should the earth ever end? Now, let me bring you back to a biblical phrase. Some of these Christian people just love to talk about forgiveness and forgiveness from their God. Well, it says right there in the Psalms, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. Okay, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I uh, follow my finger around the basketball over the spalding label and curve down below and come back around, and touch that little hole where you stick the little needle in to put air in it. Uh, it looks like I'm back where I started, so um, thanks, God. My sins have just hit me in the ass. It's not gonna work, guys. That ain't gonna fly. But now, on an unending Earth, you see where I'm going with this? Well, there is no east, west, north, or south. By the way, that's N-E-W-S, spells the word news. The good news, the bad news, the nightly news. I call it the nightly noose. Strung up all Americans' necks tight enough they can't even think straight, much less. Well, they loosen it enough so you can swaddle the garbage, and they tighten that noose up again. But what I'm saying is, on an unending earth, when your quote-unquote sins are forgiven by this quote-unquote God, and they're thrown east and west or right and left we're just thrown in opposite directions why don't we just call it like it is on an unending earth that never ends that's uh it's kind of saying something with some meat and taters in it you know what I, mean? I mean that's really forgiving that's like they're never gonna touch you know what i mean like unending not the basketball are you getting this now same way with the globe half a globe pizza flat earth with a dome on it those sins are going to go up the dome and come right back and hit you so let's think about this logically and i'm not giving any credence at all to biblical writ and its validity and scientific whatever you know it's it's a it's a poetry book but still you got to get into the minds of the ones who understand that poetry and speak on their level 
And when you throw something around and around and around versus unending, flat, call it if you want to, where it never touches, there's a big difference there. Okay, but this flat earth phenomenon is nothing new. It was started back in the 1800s when newspapers were the internet. It didn't really catch on very well. There are a few books written about it. But today, as of about, I'm going to say 2013, 14, to where we are now, good six or seven years, it's made a resurgence. And because of the internet, the World Wide Web. Now, also, you got to understand, thrown into all this, is this thing called the simulation theory. It started about 30 years ago. So the simulation theory kind of trumps everything. Oh, it's the best theory ever. And Jim, I know you've done some work on this whole idea of maybe maybe we should take that idea more seriously. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> but you forced me to a point where I have to speak. Uh, must resemble the science fiction movie The Matrix, where we're all some kind of simulation of some program running, and uh, that's uh, exciting for a lot of people. It's In a fact, little unnerving. Well. And then, there, of course, you have Nick Bostrom, a philosopher, who has really, you know, uh, put this point front and center uh, for the public and for... Uh, he says the computers will take over. Yeah, yeah. He basically says that we're all just simulations. Will you comply? Will you comply? Repeat. Will you comply? Will you comply? Will you... Look detected. Error. to believe that you perceive the web they were and keep on thinking free. In the sim theory, it doesn't matter what the shape of anything is. They're trying to get us to understand that it's a big simulation. You're in a computer program, inside a computer program, inside a computer program, and this is just maddening, I tell you. This is not even good nonsense if you're going to say we're in a simulation theory i mean just forget about it end of discussion stupidity wins the argument do you know what i'm talking about the matrix do you want to know what it is the matrix is everywhere it is all around us even now in this very room you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave like everyone else you were born into bondage. 
born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Let's get back to this theory on uh, the unending earth. A funny thing happened about, I want to say 20, uh, what was it, um, 7, 28, 2007, 2008, when the Concorde jet uh, was decommissioned. There were only about nine or ten of them ever made and in existence. Back in the back in the 70s and 80s, if you had a lot of money, you could ride on one of these things, and it was really really fast. You know, they go like Mach 1.5, close to what 12, 15, 1700 miles an hour. They fly at high altitudes too, it's over 60,000 feet, sometimes around 70,000 feet. And you could look out the window and see that the horizon is coming to meet your eye. But more importantly than that, had a rogue pilot gotten a hold of one of these things and gotten an early start and started just flying off beyond the so-called barrier or ice wall, whatever it is they don't want us to see out there, he could have taken his iPhone and done a little video, looped back around and uploaded it to show the world that, hey, you know, it's beyond the bird land even. exploits are legendary but that was kind of nixed when that plane was down right about the time that YouTube Google and all the social media started to make a climb in popularity so that was convenient to keep that out of the hands of just any pilot another thing to consider is that with other civilizations out there on this universe and most likely there are. We're not the only game in town. There are no extinct animals. And there's probably different feathers and flavors and colors of people, other creators that we don't even know the shape thereof. They could have different kinds of uh, uh, anomalies to their bodies, appendages, whatever, closely resembling us, yay, but small differences. We don't, we, we don't really know, we never met them. But, but out there, somewhere there's definitely civilizations that are less developed and more developed than we are and let's just hypothesize that there's one nearby within flying distance of these new jet aircraft that uh, drip kerosene certainly for lo longer than what's the world record flight 36 hours from like LAX to uh, somewhere in Australia yeah well imagine being in the air for two or three days or a week and then landing you don't need jet fuel to land where are you going to be landing nearby civilization maybe perhaps the leaders here have garnered some kind of a contract or agreement with the leaders there maybe perhaps you have an alien invasion on our area our six continents and uh, we'll scratch your back later on something else that you need uh, uh, uh. Now, I want the people to know that they still have two out of three branches of the government working for them, and that ain't bad. Stealth technology, invisible planes, undetectable. Imagine a civilization so advanced out there, they don't have one over 99, let's say it's all in. All 100%. Can we build 
it. Yes, we can! Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. So when they find a new discovery, they put it on the public social media and let everybody know about it. When they cure this or that disorder or disease, everyone knows about it. Everyone partakes. And then they move on with their invention and their wittiness. And they create things like, oh, I don't know, about 50 times the speed of light, invisible aircraft that can reemerge, flying saucers. <laughs> Flying silverware, flying glasses, I mean, flying anything. Forky. When enough people come together and don't care who gets the credit, when the leaders have climbed up on their ego and jumped off, and they are just in it for the best peace that they can garner for their civilization and their people, that's when things can get done. And they don't, they're not there to make money off people. Think about Tesla. Tesla was a terrible business person. He got ripped off by Mr. Edison. He had all these witty inventions. The guy was a genius, obviously. But he had no way to manage it with this monetary-based economy. He would have been a perfect person for one of these advanced civilizations that don't have a monetary-based economy. How archaic. You're going you're gonna to charge me a pelt or a piece of gold or a fiat piece of paper that's worthless for something? Well, what's the point, you know? Technology is advanced so far right now and in those civilizations that they don't even have to pay for anything. They have robotics, computerized technology that make it all happen, guys. Imagine if we can break out of this one over 99 bullcrap here, like these other civilizations have done, we can partake in a resource-based economy a la the Venus Project. And what I think the Zeitgeist films were trying to uh, get to. Zeitgeist films, of course, they're no, typical 80-20, 80% true, 20% lies. Venus Project is not all 100% true either. And uh, Jacques Fresco even stated that in some of his interviews. He said, this is not a perfect system. But he said, we can change it as we go. But he was onto something. Mr. Fresco was onto something. But it's not an easy task, moving from a monetary system to a resource-based economy. There's going to be trouble. I'm sorry. I have no control over that. Okay. We, as we said, we would like to do a major motion picture to introduce people in an entertaining way what the future could be like. And at the end, we'd like to have people walk out and say, why don't we build this today? We'd like to give them something to advocate that's possible and that's positive for the future of it, for everyone. Sense. And then we'd like to build a first city, a planning center, where people can come and look at it and see how it works. And then people from different parts of the world could go and build one in their, their country. So how, because you didn't really answer the question before, how do people get on board? How do they get on board? Oh, they write us, they send us letters and say, what do you want us to do to help us? And what do you tell them? We tell them to become familiar with the Venus Project, look at our website, and then hold meetings at your churches, or clubhouse, wherever you belong. The Venus Project is not about architecture. It's about a way of thinking. And if people learn this way, we're more apt to have a greatly improved world. It's not perfect. It's just a hell of a lot better than what we've got. And the Venus Project lives on. We could still come to that. But first of all, most of the people of these six continents have to get on board with the fact that there is a better way. 
We have the technology. Wake up and let's find it. So this is the universe, not the universe. This is ultimate unending land, infinite plane, as one person has stated. The infinite plane society. Not a single video or, or any kind of in-depth discussion on the unending universe. Just another, I guess, psyop, implant. But the fact remains, folks, that uh, we have technology. We have the ability to get out of this mess. We just got to get enough people awakened to the fact that we've been lied to. We've been nasad. Nasad in Hebrew means to lie or to deceive. Nasad. Sound familiar? Yeah. It's that funny little uh, government entity now that's got its own little space command. Ah, boys, it's not about space. It's the space between our heads that needs to be filled up with truth, enlightenment, and study. When you look at these videos, first of all, if you see anything on YouTube, let me give you a hint. Anything that is allowed to be on YouTube is there for a reason. It's been vetted, and it has a purpose. If there's somebody on there talking about an infinite plane, an unending earth, something that is not allowed to be put in the the mind's eye of general public, it's not going to be allowed to see the light of day. Now, I have noticed some things about YouTube is they do try to allow certain truth out there, but usually it's just enough to get everybody to argue with each other, to be distracted and try to get their opinion championed over the other guy's opinion or gals. You mean you scare us so that we'll buy more, so that so that money moves quicker, production moves up? We don't say scare when we talk about human beings. We say... Uh threaten them emotionally and there are all sorts of ways of do not just the big ones like the hydrogen bomb overcrowd them a little with bad planning sell them too many motor cars anything to keep them a little bit removed from reality so what do we have here we are living on an unending plane of existence the universe we've been told we're on a globe we're not now they're trying to say half a globe flat earth we're not because there is no scarcity I'm sorry to tell you guys over at the diamond stores and gold uh, bullion stores. Oh yeah, he went to Jared. He totally went to Jared. It's worthless as dust. <laughs> Just consider the pure gold Buddha. Over in Bangkok, Thailand, there's this huge gold Buddha. It's five and a half tons of 83% pure gold. And the value's been estimated around a quarter of a billion dollars. This thing was made centuries ago. I'm sure they had insight enough to know that gold was infinite, or at least that was the spirit of making this huge thing that still exists today. In a day of scarce gold, you got this huge five and a half ton Buddha. You know, think about it. One thing we have to understand is we have been lied to. We've been lied to and we're not been anywhere near shown the potentiality of what we live on. Not even in the media, science fiction. I haven't even seen a novel or a book on this subject. So what can we do about it? We can rise up. We can understand that when we look at the earth and its horizon in front of us rising, when we get in an airplane, we got to know that it goes on forever and ever. 
And I'm not just saying that you, it's because you can't see the curvature. There is no curvature. There is no dome. There is no globe. There is no end to this plane of existence. And what's so cool about it is you never really die as a creator. Your body is not you. You get another body, just like you get another jacket when it wears out. So we're on a land mass, ocean ice, ocean ice land that never ends. We never die. That is why I always like to say, what a creator to get your teeth into, to, be, to believe in. Let's strike that word, to know about, to know and have knowledge. All right. So I think we've um, handled this topic pretty good for today. Uh, this is Art Stemmel inviting you to check out our whole brand new uh, redesign on our Potomatic.com platform. You can uh, arrive at it with a simple URL. Click here.potomatic.com. And tell your friends about it. If you have any comments about this subject, please put them where you can put them. Also, contact us here at the headquarters of Click Here at clickherepodcast at gmail. Love to have your comments. Love to have your support if you'd like to do that as well. There is a link where you can do that on the webpage. Thanks again for tuning in to Click Here. This is Art Stemmel. We'll see you next time. We're going to talk about science uh, eventually, one of these days. And um, if not, if I got to keep putting that on the back burner because I have a special guest I'm trying to get a hold of who isn't, in my estimation, a really great YouTuber and uh, I guess you could say excellence on the power of excellence on the subject of scientism. I'm trying to get a hold of this person and then when I do, we'll be able to do that one because I want them to share their wealth of knowledge as well. I like to get my first guest going too. If you guys have any ideas for guests uh, or if you'd like to be on the program itself, please contact me through the Click Here podcast. All right, we'll see you next time. Have a great one.
podcast brought to you by New Airwaves Audio Productions. Mm-hmm.